Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Dr. Physical Therapy Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com. Gracias por tus oídos. Today I want to do a deeper dive on Saquon Barkley based on the article that I have posted over at FantasyPoints.com. I went through every way that Saquon succeeds and every way that Saquon fails. I try to be as objective as possible. I should also say if you want to go over there, that is a free article. I'll link it in the show notes. If you want, you can also apply a 21 Borras 10 promo code and get 10% off a Fantasy Point subscription. I had somebody say today that the article I wrote was worth a subscription itself, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Let's get to it. For those of you following along and have been following along for a while, you know that I've been pounding the table for Saquon Barkley. But I do admit that I need to be a little more cautious. I need to give the entire ceiling floor combination and discuss it in more detail because it deserves its own context and its own unique analysis and breakdown. This is part two at this point. Part one, I encourage you to go listen to that. That was focused more so on the Jordan Renan article that came out discussing Saquon Barkley and how he might have a reduced workload coming out of week one. That one didn't get too detailed, but if you want to go back and listen to that episode, that's two episodes ago, Saquon Barkley part one. But Saquon Parkley Part 2, like I said, is up at FantasyPoints.com. I go through the comprehensive breakdown of everything that you need to know about Saquon and his specific situation. So what you need to know, generally speaking, is that Saquon tore his ACL. He sprained his MCL, which is a grade 2. It didn't require any intervention or any surgery. And he had a partial tear of the meniscus. He said himself in a quote uh, in an article that I tagged in this specific breakdown that I give that he said that the surgeon was able to save his meniscus, which means that's a great thing. He didn't need a meniscectomy. That matters because it means it was, generally speaking, a minimal to moderately complex tear. All you need to know, the average return of sport for these NFL athletes is 11 to 12 months. Most players can come back between 8 and 10 months, but that mark, that 11 to 12 month mark, includes players who tear their ACL in the preseason and can't technically return for 12 months, so that skews the numbers a little bit. For reference, Adrian Peterson's historic 2012 comeback, it occurred after eight months and eight days. That's just bananas. That doesn't happen. Uh, in contrast, Jamal Charles, in 2012, his first ACL tear, he took 10 months and 30 days, so nearly 11 months, to come back before week one. When the Giants kick off in 2021, it's going to be 10 months and 13 days since Saquon's surgery. What I've been trying to get across all offseason is that the ACL tear is no longer a death sentence. It has been a death sentence for a while, so I don't want to pretend like it is, but I also need to be clear that to come back and perform at previous levels of performance, a lot of criteria have to be checked, and in this article that I wrote, I cited a medical study done by Karen and colleagues where they looked at 47 NFL players over the span of 27 years, and they essentially looked at them through the filter of four criteria. Those criteria to be able to be considered returning to previous level of sport, which means backup quarterbacks came back and be to be backup quarterbacks, running backs that were starters came back to be running backs who were starters, etc. The four criteria that they had to meet were pass a battery of physical assessments aimed at challenging the knee, typically done by PTs. They needed to perform position-specific rehab for at least six weeks. They needed to pass an NFL physical, and they needed a return to participation with the team at the same level like I mentioned above. That was the four criteria in order to be considered successfully returned to their sport after an ACL tear. If you want to look at the study a little further, you can do that. But I went on to describe in this article that they found three factors that were common independent predictors 
of successful return to previous performance like the study defined. Those common factors between the people who returned successfully were age 25 or younger, which specifically predicted that they would be able to return to previous performance, being an offensive player, which also predicted previous levels of performance, and NFL draft capital, rounds one through four. That essentially predicted that they would stay in the league longer than those who did not return successfully after an ACL tear. I just said a lot of words. Basically, what you need to know is that the younger a player is, the higher their draft capital, and being an offensive player, predict being able to return from an ACL surgery successfully. So extrapolating this out further, it's not unreasonable to assume that the higher the draft capital, the better the offensive player, and the younger the player, the greater the chance of them to return successfully to sport. I also went on and talked about how MCL or LCL damage doesn't impact return one way or the other. So if you're worried about the MCL, that was not a big deal. You also need to know that there was no PCL damage, and there's not really clear data on whether or not meniscus damage led to worse outcomes. The jury's still out on that. So basically, how does he succeed? I give this list. Saquon is 24 years old. He's an offensive player, obviously. He's extremely talented. He has ceiling draft capital with staunch front office support. He has top 1% athleticism. He has minimal involvement of neighboring ligaments. He also has, he had preoperative physical therapy, which there's some emerging data showing that that actually increases outcomes as well, improves outcomes. He also is going to have an entire summer to dial in his strength and conditioning football-related activities. That's huge. The last part is he has no real backfield damage. Nobody's going to challenge Saquon for touches, especially if he's looking spry. So the next thing that I talk about is historical precedents and fantasy implications. And to be honest, there's definitely not a lot to say here. I talk about my buddy, Dr. Chap, physical therapist, his article on hit rates, wide receiver two and running back two hit rates for players who have torn ACL. I linked the study there if you want to go look at it. The bottom line is that there just haven't been running backs who tore their ACL and needed to return from 2015 through last season. What I mean by that is there's no comparable data to go by. There haven't been Jordy Nelsons, Julian Edelman's, Allen Robinson's, Cooper Cups, and Keenan Allen's to compare to a current player. There just haven't been that many running backs who have torn their ACL and have continued to be relevant. Darren Sproles tore his, but he was 34 years old. Danny Woodhead, he was 31 years old. Lamar Miller was very average and 28 years old. Jarek McKinnon, he was a significant outlier. Jamal Charles, he was 29 and on his second ACL tear. Rashad Penny's was extremely complicated, and he wasn't really the caliber of athlete that Saquon is. So all of these comparisons and data points since 2015 really genuinely don't add up to give a good comparison for what we can expect from Saquon. So who does that leave? Dalvin Cook, Jamal Charles, and Adrian Peterson. Well, okay, you can talk about Dalvin Cook. Whatever. He still finished as an RB16 on fantasy points per game basis as basically a rookie because he only played four games his rookie season before tearing his ACL. And here's a point that I didn't actually put in the article, but I did want to talk about it. If you're a believer that ACL tears and surgeries just specifically affect performance because of athleticism or rehab issues then this is the point that you really want to make when it comes to Dalvin Cook. He's the closest comparison that isn't Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles. Dalvin Cook tore his ACL in 2017 as a rookie after only playing four games. Then in 2018, he came back, and on the in the games that he didn't miss because of a hamstring injury, he was actually RB16. And I know that's not 
the best outcome we want for but for basically a rookie I wouldn't necessarily say that his performance was down you could talk about his hamstring issues and there's a whole host of issues you could talk about whether that was compensatory which I think is is totally off base considering the fact that in order to be cleared for football related activities they have to have at least 90% of the other legs strength and hamstring and quads to begin with and you also look at the workload issues with a lot of the research showing the increase or decrease in workloads will change hamstring strain specifically and a lot of other reasons that we won't necessarily get into. But the point I'm trying to make here is Dalvin Cook had hamstring injuries after his ACL tear. That wasn't necessarily a performance driven issue. Let me give you some numbers to tell you. So Dalvin Cook, here's points added above average per play so these are real nfl points not necessarily fantasy points 2018 0.04 2019.04 2020 0.07 here's his percentage of plays with expected points above zero 2018 44 2019 46 2020 43 percent lastly if you think that there was a big gap between his performance here in 2018 compared to 2019 and 2020 here is boom percentages in 2018 eight percent in 2019, 8%. In 2020, 6%. Finally, here is bust rates. 5.3% in 2018, 4.8% in 2019, and 4.2% in 2020. I hope you're seeing the point I'm trying to make here. If you think Dalvin Cook's performance was reduced in what essentially amounts to a rookie season, there aren't really advanced metrics to back that up other than the games that he missed. Again, I'll get into why I think that this is a relevant comparison, though, after we talk about Adrian Peterson. Basically, what you need to know about the situation is that I don't want it to be a comparison. Adrian Peterson and Saquon Barkley should not be compared. However, in medicine, when you don't have big, large, randomized controlled trials or systematic reviews to look at what has worked for treatments, you start looking to case control studies. So uh, you're just a series of, un you know, not organized cases that sort of had the same interventions but they aren't really studies lastly you go down to what has been used for individuals on a case-by-case -case basis and what was effective the best analogy that i could give for saquon barkley and we won't call it a comparison we'll call it an analogy the best analogy i could give for saquon barkley's situation is adrian peterson's and even adrian peterson's was completely unmatched it's good news because Saquon actually edges Adrian Peterson out in athleticism slightly if you go to player profiler. You also can look at the fact that Adrian Peterson had two fewer months to rehab than Saquon will have. You also can look at the fact that Adrian Peterson is, was three years older than Saquon is at the time of his injury compared to Saquon. Saquon's 24, Adrian Peterson was 27. So that's why you have the big difference. There are still huge differences even when you look at the micro of the situation. So they're not perfect comparisons. They're not direct comparisons but they are parallels and i think the best example and the best case to look at what can be with saquon in 2021 would be adrian peterson's 2012 season i'll let it rest let's talk about why i think saquon can fail or how i believe saquon can fail based on the data i just want to emphasize am i saying that barkley will be the overall rb1 in fantasy no i'm not saying that i won't go that far but if he's healthy, we've seen what a player with his athleticism, time to rehab, and organizational support can do. So let's move on to how he fails. I already mentioned how there aren't great comparisons for Saquon's situation simply because the caliber of running backs who tore their ACL and subsequently came back the next year 
it's really, really slim. That sample was 73, but for now, we'll ignore the context of that sample. There were 73 skill players from 2015 through 2020 who tore their ACL and came back the next year. Okay. Of those 73, seven missed time due to a groin quad or hamstring strain. And the average missed time for that was about 4.5 games. I mentioned here that in that sample, a 34 year old Sproles, good old Darren Sproles, and a 32 year old Danny Woodhead actually accounted for 18 of those games. So that was a big chunk. But I, again, this is supposed to be how I think Saquon fails or how he can fail. So I'll continue to be completely unbiased. Theoretically, according to this sample, players coming back from an ACL tear will miss time because of soft tissue injuries about 10% of the time. That's something you can't necessarily ignore on a points per game basis. He could still be great, but he could also fail because of that, because of the soft tissue injuries. Another related issue when it comes to skilled players after an ACL tear is complications. Complications happen. The most recent example is Rashad Penny. Obviously, everybody knows about Jarek McKinnon. Even in 2016, after his Jamal Charles's second ACL tear, he had some complications. He missed basically an entire season. This is how I think Saquon can fail. Soft tissue injuries are knee complications because together they accounted for 21% of at least partially derailed seasons after an ACL tear. So basically these first two issues, the complications and the swelling or the soft tissue injuries are what scare me. They legitimately scare me. Um, I think that they're totally valid concerns. I've already went through why I don't think performance specifically will be an issue or it can be an issue or is an issue in running backs necessarily, but complications, swelling, and soft tissue injuries are most definitely on the table as a way Saquon can fail. And of course, I mean failing by not meeting his ADP of seven, I believe it is at this time, last time I checked. This next one is obviously really straightforward and simple, just a re-rupture. He can re-tear his ACL. In that same original study that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there was about a 12.8% retear rate. That would either be the same knee or the opposite knee. Another way that I'm less scared of is the same way that Jordan Renan talked about, and that's just being eased in, being eased into a workload, which would mean obviously he won't hit his ceiling on a cumulative basis. But in this specific scenario, he could still smash on a points per game basis. I keep saying he's going to smash. I don't necessarily know that he will. So I'll continue to be completely unbiased in this situation. And I think another example that you can look at is Jamal Charles. Even though Jamal Charles only averaged about a 55% snap rate after his first ACL tear in 2012, he did see just 42% and 27% of snaps in his first two games back. So that's something to just monitor, keep an eye on. Maybe they will ease him in. Maybe the Giants really are being honest when they say they don't want to use him too quickly. You tell me, you be the boss. The moral of the story, though, is that he had two more weeks, Jamal Charles did, to recover than Saquon, and he still played that few amount of snaps in the first two weeks. The last thing I say here is one way that Saquon fails is, well, Jason Garrett. A lot of pushback I get on Twitter, at FB Injury Doc, by the way, is that Jason Garrett just doesn't know how to coach supreme offensive talent. And hey, well, I mean, yeah, you've got absolutely no argument for me there. This last thing, I just want to read the summary of the article itself. Here's what I said. Conducting research for this specific injury illuminated the context in which players fail after an ACL tear. Unfortunately, fringe or bubble players fall out of the league, aging players retire after losing the war of attrition, and post-operative complications can linger. There's probably an efficiency stat to point to in the following year after an ACL surgery for running backs, 
But the reality is that most talent, quote, failures are due to the circumstances that I've listed above. So even though Saquon checks all the objective criteria necessary to be eligible, to be even considered to meet or smash your ADP, he still got to do it. He still got obstacles in his way. Things could still go backwards, even though he looked great on video the other day. Things can still go wrong for Saquon Barkley. And I did want to make that clear for anybody worried about him. Theoretically, there's a 20% chance he misses time. I won't argue that because it could happen. But that's what I think about Saquon Barkley. Let me know what you think about the Saquon Barkley part two on Twitter at FBNJDoc. Make sure to go to fantasypoints.com, subscribe, use 21 Borras 10 as a 10% discount. Let me know what you think of this article. Gracias.